Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Vineyard Northwest. It's great to see you here, and if it's your first time, just wanted to especially welcome you and thank you for coming to worship with us today. You're totally welcome here, and we're just honored that you're spending your Sunday with us. So if it is your first time here, or one of your first times, and if you have not yet filled out a Connect card, it's in the seat pocket in front of you. If you could fill that out and leave that in the offering as it goes by later, or leave it at the Welcome Center on your way out, we would love that just to get to know a little bit more about you. And if you go by the Welcome Center in the atrium on your way out, there's a vineyard CD that we would love to just give you as a small gift to thank you for coming and hanging out with us this morning. So make sure you check that out. So we'll be receiving the offering in just a few minutes. So a few things about the offering. You can make checks out to Vineyard Church Northwest. And there are envelopes in the seat in front of you as well that you can use for giving if you'd like. And there are also giving options available online or through the Vineyard Northwest mobile app. So there are a couple things that are coming up that I'd like to mention. And first is next Sunday, um, we'll have a speaker here named Robbie Dawkins. If you've been around here in the past few years, yeah, Robbie's awesome. Maybe you know him. If you've been around here in the past few years, maybe you've seen him come by before. But if you haven't, he's um, someone who's really impacted the life of Vineyard Northwest here and kind of how we look at and think about a bunch of different things in the way that we um, live and share Jesus with people. Um, Last time he was here, he shared a ton of really cool stories with us. So this will be awesome. He'll be here for both services next Sunday. Additionally, next Sunday, after the second service, we'll be having a newcomer's luncheon. So if you're newer around here, if you kind of feel like you're still getting to know the place and getting to know how things work, we'd love to invite you to come to this. We'll have a light lunch, and we'll have some of our staff and key leaders at this lunch. You'll have a time to ask questions, to learn about the history of Vineyard Northwest, and learn about the different ministries and places to get plugged in around here as well. So lastly is Financial Peace University. That is a nine-week course that we've been talking about. That starts Tuesday, January 30th. So this course really will have some very tangible, very practical, but also super revelatory ways to think about our finances, and it will be really easy to just put them into practice. So this is something we'd like to invite everyone to attend as well. Um, You'll need to register, and there's a lot of more information on what you should do on the Vineyard Northwest website. So check that out there. Lastly, you can check your program for more information of things going on around here in the kids' ministry, in the teens, or other outreaches and different things going on around Vineyard Northwest. You can check that out in the paper you got on your way in, or you can see that on the mobile app as well. So right now, I'm actually going to invite the ushers to come forward. Um, We're going to start receiving the offering. So this is a little different. We usually receive the offering later on in the service, but we're going to do it now because we're changing up the way the service looks just for today, and Van will tell you more about that later. But ushers, you can go ahead and receive the offering. And this is just something that we love to be a part of um, as we're worshiping. Sorry, and if you're in the leftmost side of your row, the offering basket is under your seat, so you can grab that. Um... This is something that we love to do as just another way to worship God and bless him as he's blessing us. So thank you for doing that with us and blessing the church as well. So I'm just going to say a quick prayer. So God, thank you for what you're doing in every individual life in here. We're excited for what you have to come this year for us. Yeah, and we love you and we just want to bless you and we want to honor you. And we just ask that you continue to show us more of who you are. We're hungry to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to invite up Van, our lead pastor here, and he's going to share the message with us. Thanks, Amanda. 
Hey, everyone. Great to see you here today. Um, yeah, this is the first Sunday of 2018. And uh, so I, I, I know it's been said, but I want to say Happy New Year. Turn to somebody beside you and say Happy New Year. You know, you know, really, honestly, truthfully, it's only New Year on the calendar. It, every day becomes a new year. And we need to think about that, and we need to look at life that way, because if I feel like I only get to, um, you know, to, to, uh, to, to reset once a year, that's not often enough. I need to reset just about every day. So every day is a new year, and every day God has blessings for us. And God has blessings for you in 2018, since we do in our culture look at it that way. Let's just say 2018 is going to be a blessed year. Let's say that together, okay? 2018 is going to be a blessed year. So turn to the person beside you and say 2018 will be a blessed year for you. For you. All right. So the first Sunday of each month, we celebrate communion. And uh, so often it, it becomes something that's just attached at the end of the message. We, we talk about it for 30 seconds and then go into it. And uh, we decided that this week we wanted to emphasize communion. And so the whole message today is going to be on communion. And uh, throughout this year, we'll come back to it several times because there are different aspects of communion that uh, we want to emphasize and, and for us as individuals and as a church body to actually be um, tied into. Now today, the aspect of communion that we're going to look at is communion as it relates to physical healing. So we're going to look at that as, as we move through this message today. But I want to start with this. Jesus gave us communion and he did it the night before he died. It was his last night on earth. He had this special meal with his 12 closest followers. And at the beginning of the meal, he said, I have longed to have this meal with you. Literally in the Greek it is, I've desired with desire to, to have, have this special time with you. And what they were actually celebrating was the Passover meal. And Passover was a celebration that found its roots in the Old Testament. And at the, at the beginning of uh, the, the nation of Israel, they started off actually as slaves in Egypt. And so the whole Hebrew nation grew into nationhood as a, a slave nation in Egypt and under, under the hand of Egypt. But God wanted his people to be released from Egypt, and yet Pharaoh wouldn't listen to God. And so God brought 10 plagues on Egypt, each of them designed to soften Pharaoh's heart but Pharaoh actually hardened his heart after each one of these plagues. And as well, each one of the ten plagues was a direct attack against one of the main gods of Egypt. Now, the, the final plague that God brought was the death of all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Not just Egyptians, but Hebrews, um, the, the livestock, everything, the death of the firstborn. But God gave a way for his people, for the Jews, uh, to, to avoid this death. And what he prescribed for them to do was to sacrifice a lamb. 
and they were to take the blood from that lamb and they were to paint it on the doorposts, on each of the doorposts and on the lintel above the door so that the entryway to their home was covered by the blood of the lamb. And what happened when the death actually came and death passed through the land, any home that had the blood of the lamb on the, on the doorposts and the lintel, the death passed over. And there was no death in that home. That's where we get the name Passover. Death passed over them. But what they were also instructed to do was to take that lamb that they had sacrificed, to roast it and to have it as a family meal in the home that had the blood painted on the doorway. And so these families sacrificed the lamb, put the blood on the, on the door. Uh, entering to their home, and then they had a feast, on, and they actually consumed the lamb that had been offered as a sacrifice. They actually ate that lamb's body, flesh. And so that became a celebration that God wanted the Jews to do perpetually. And in that celebration, in the celebratory dinner, celebrating the sacrifice of the lamb and the Passover and God's deliverance of his people from the nation of Egypt, he gave them certain ways to do that, and one of the ways was to pass a cup. And so there were several times during the meal that they would pass the wine, and, and it represented the blood of the lamb that, uh, that had been smeared on the doorway. And they also ate the lamb itself, and so they consumed the flesh of that lamb in, in this celebration, in this meal. And so they're actually having this very celebration, this very meal when Jesus introduces what we refer to as communion. And the word communion means a sharing in. In, in, uh, in studying the word, it's almost like overlap. It's like two concentric circles, two circles that overlap each other. So, so that, that's what communion is. It's a sharing in. It's a fellowship in. And so when we come to communion, what we're doing is we are sharing in the life of Jesus. You know, our life is... You know, we're becoming part of him. That, that's the act of communion. And so Jesus on this night, he takes the cup and instead of the traditional statements, he says, this is my blood in the new covenant. And, and he invests that celebration and that ceremony with its real meaning. It wasn't about the lamb that was slain in Egypt. It's about Jesus being the Lamb of God. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus for the first time, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus, passing the cup, says, this is my blood. I, I am the Lamb. I'm the Lamb of God. And, and, and he passes the bread to them and says, this is my body. It's not the, and they were literally eating the body of the lamb right there. They were literally eating, consuming that lamb physically. And Jesus says, it's not about this, this lamb, it's about this lamb. And, and he says, this bread, you take this bread, this is my body. And you're gonna, you, you, need to, you need to be in this communion with me, in this oneness with me. And so I want to read that to you, one of the accounts this is taken from 1 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul was an early follower of Jesus. He wasn't one of the original 12 apostles, so he wasn't there that night that Jesus uh, instituted communion. 
Uh, and it's very interesting. He starts this passage off by acknowledging that. And, and, it, and it tells us something about how important communion is that the Lord Jesus himself appeared to Paul and gave him the whole story in detail, exactly the same as it happened in the Gospels. And so it starts off and he says, for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. And when he says I received this from the Lord, it means Jesus came to me and gave this to me. He's the one that told me this. And I passed it on to you. And it says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It, it doesn't say broken for you, but it does say given for you in one of the other accounts in the Gospels. So this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, if you paid attention carefully there in that, you'll notice that the cup and the bread were not served together. We typically serve the two together. We typically use the, what's called intincture, where you take the wafer. We use wafers, un, they're unleavened little pieces of bread, and, and you dip it in the juice and then eat it. That's the intincture method. But Jesus, that's not what they did. In fact, in Luke's gospel, it says he gave them the cup at the beginning of the meal and said, this is my blood. And then in the middle of the meal, he gave them the bread. And then at the end of the meal, he gave them the cup again and said, this is my blood. And so uh, there, was, there was an emphasis on each of the elements separately. Now, the elements, the two elements form the one event together, the body and the blood, but they were presented separately in the meal when Jesus gave us communion. And so what we're going to look at today is communion, as I've already said, as it relates to physical healing. And I want to say this, the communion is one of the avenues, it's one of the means that God uses to bring about physical healing of our bodies. It's not the only means, but it's one of the means. And Jesus healed in a number of different ways. And you look in the New Testament, you look throughout the Bible, you'll see healing happen in a variety of ways. There were times that it was just a word spoken, um, you know, be healed, eyes be opened, and they were opened. Other times, touch was involved. Most of the time, in fact, I would say touch was involved more often than not. But there were times it was just simply touch and healing happened. Jesus touched the lepers and they were healed. Another time... He touches this blind man's eyes and puts mud in his eyes and says, go across town to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes and you'll receive your sight. So in that case, that man had to take this act of faith. And, and listen, for a blind guy, walking across town probably wasn't an easy thing. And, and so he had to, he had to do the, perform this act of faith. I really believe you, Jesus. And if you say to do that, I'm going to do it. And he washes and his eyes are open. Um, on other occasions, Jesus shouted out, come forth, and the dead rose. At times, he healed at a distance where there was, there was no connection between Jesus and the person being healed at all. There were times there was faith. There were times there was no faith. 
There were times that prophetic words brought healing. On one occasion, a man who had been blinded, uh, God sent a, a prophet to him and gave this prophet a word. His name was Ananias. He said, I want you to go tell this man, Saul, here are the things God's going to do in your life and here's how God's going to use you to impact the world. So Ananias goes to Saul. He changed his name to Paul later, the apostle Paul. But as Ananias is prophesying this to him, his eyes are opened and he can see. And so sometimes just a straight-up prophetic word that didn't have anything to do really directly with the eyes. It wasn't like God says he's going to heal your eyes. He just gave him this prophetic word and healing occurred. Now, there was healing that happened through anointing with oil. By the apostles, they anointed people with oil and prayed for them. And in James, it says that the church body and that elders in the church can anoint people with oil and pray over them with the expectation that they will be healed. And so there are all these different methods, all these different um, ways that healing happens. And communion is one of the ways. But it's a way that we have pretty much ignored and, and not really had insight into, into re- until recently. Uh, there, there are a couple different ways that uh, people actually view communion. Uh, on the one extreme, there, there are those that would, um, and I don't mean to say that in a pejorative way when I say extreme, but on the, on the one end, there would be those that believe that when Jesus said, this is my body, that it literally becomes the body of Christ, literally. Uh, even though the substance doesn't change, it still is literally the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. Uh, and and that, in that realm, it would be a ritual that actually imparts grace just by doing it. Now, at the other end, Jesus also said, do this in remembrance of me. And so there, the idea is, um, and on that extreme, on that side, the, the thinking would be that it's kind of like a family dinner, where at our family dinners, often someone will make a toast of some variety, especially when Lori's father was still alive, toasting was just a part of the family dinner, and when we'd all be together, and there would always be a toast offered in memory of someone who wasn't there. And so on the other end, and this is the end that I've probably lived in more than, than, than this, this, and that was, uh, let's all remember Jesus. You know, let's all remember Grandpa. He blessed us, and he did wonderful things for us. Thank you. Let's just remember him. And so on that end, it's just simply a remembrance. But what I want to say today is that it's more than a remembrance, and yet it's not the ritual, I don't believe, that, that, uh, that, that makes it the literal body and blood of Christ. Here's what I believe it is. It is a touch point with Jesus. It is a touch point with him. And I'm going to show you more what I mean by that as we move through this message. But healing coming in all these different ways and communion being one of them, the reason for that is that God doesn't want us to get stuck in ritual. He doesn't want us to get stuck in this transactional approach to life with him where if, if I do this, this, and this, then this is the result. You know, God, I've done one, two, and three, so you're obligated to heal me now. Because God's blessings to us, and he wants to bless us. Luke 12, 32, Jesus said, little children, don't be afraid, do not be afraid, because your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Now, what that means is that when Jesus releases the kingdom to us, that he gets joy out of it. He loves it. He loves to give us kingdom blessings. 
But he wants those kingdom blessings to come to us in the context of relationship. Not, not formula, not transaction, but relationship. And so all, there are all these different ways that healing happens so that we don't get stuck in some formulaic approach to our relationship with Jesus. But communion is truly one of those means. So let's start in that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11, 29 to 30. This is after the passage that I just read to you. The Apostle Paul is correcting the Corinthians, and he says this. He says, anyone who drinks, eats and drinks, without discerning the body, and that's a key phrase that we're going to look at today, without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And he says, that's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. So, he's saying here that not understanding what we do when we do communion has resulted in the Corinthians case, many of them getting sick, weak, and, and even some dying. Now, if, if, not, if not esteeming communion correctly results in physical ill health, at least in some cases, then we can assume that what he's also saying, we can infer from that, that when we do approach communion correctly, it produces health. And so that's, that's kind of the direction we're coming from today, that we need to understand what this means when he says discerning the body. And the word discerning, well, it means to understand the true value of something, to understand its true value. And so... We need to ask ourselves, do we understand the true value of Christ? Do we understand the true value, particularly here, of his body? Uh, Think of it like this. Um, Discernment means there's some attentiveness involved. It means there's some mental uh, acuity involved. And, And let's say you're out for a cup of coffee. Your server brings you your coffee. And when you when you pay... You open your wallet up, you see a bill with a one on it, and you drop it down as a tip. But you didn't see the two zeros behind the one, okay? That means you didn't discern. You weren't paying, you weren't thinking, you weren't paying attention to it. And what happens then is you lose the value of that $100 bill. Someone else gains it in that case, but you lose it. You miss the value of it because you didn't discern it. Now, this is, this is really what he's talking about here, is us understanding because, and, and he goes on, he says, they eat and drink judgment on themselves. Here's something really interesting. The word discernment and judgment in Greek are exactly the same word, exactly the same word. And used this closely together, it would be unusual that they would have vastly different meanings. Uh, and I think what he's saying here is, if you don't discern well, to discern means to see in depth. It means to uncover something. And like you've, you've peeled away the stuff that doesn't count, you've put that, and, and you can see it clearly. And so if I don't see clearly the body of Christ, then what I'm doing is I am revealing clearly my own ignorance and my own failure to discern that. And that's what he's saying. Because what that means is that I am going to continue to operate 
under the old system of judgment. When Adam and Eve sinned, judgment came into the world. Jesus came to nullify that judgment. Jesus came to bring us life. Jesus came to deal with sickness and sin and pain and grief and sorrow. And as Wilson was saying earlier, racism and hatred and broken relationships and financial uh, ruin and greed. And, and every, Jesus came to correct all of that. And so if I don't discern him correctly, then what I'm doing is I'm opening up my heart and it's obvious that I'm still living in the wrong system of thought. I'm still living as if Jesus didn't even come and that there's no freedom from the curse that came on the world through Adam and Eve. And that's what he means when he says we drink judgment on ourselves. We are, we are acknowledging it and staying in the old system rather than availing ourselves of what Jesus has done for us. Now, I want you to notice He says it is discerning the body, and then we eat and drink. It's not discerning the body and the blood. Now, there are two components, body and blood, bread and wine, two components that comprise the one event, and while they can overlap in meaning and impact, they also have distinct meaning. That's why they were separated in the meal when Jesus presented it originally. That's why the bread came and then the cup came sometime later. And and so what we need to do here is to ask ourselves, well, why does he put such emphasis on the body? And I think that's because uh, we have more of an intuitive understanding of the blood of Jesus. You don't get in if you don't have some understanding of the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that brings us through the door. The blood of Jesus was on the doorposts. It was inside the house with the blood of Jesus where they ate the lamb. And so just as a church body and as believers in general, we do have a better understanding and grasp of the blood than we do of the body. And so that's why what we want to do is to focus mainly on the body of Christ here. But, but first, let me show you this. Uh, Ephesians 1.7 says this. In him we have redemption through his blood. That means the forgiveness of our sins. All right, so the blood, forgiveness of sins. And and that's what we come, when when we receive Christ, there's a real focus and emphasis on the forgiveness of sins and being made new, becoming a new person. And and that's, that's primarily you see through the New Testament through the blood of Christ. Now, there are a couple places where it talks about the body and the blood both being for our forgiveness. But, but uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that they don't also have a separate meaning in a context such as this. And so another place it says we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins in Colossians. And in Romans it says we're justified through his blood. That means we are made righteous through his blood. That means we're changed inside through the blood of Jesus. We become new creations, new identity, and, and, and on and on. But... When we look at this today, what I want us to understand is that the body of Jesus represents a different aspect of our redemption. 
And we see that when, when, we, when we think of these apostles and they're sitting there and Jesus says, yeah, th- this, this bread is, it's my body that I want. You, have need, you need to eat my body, my flesh, not just the, not this sacrificial lamb, but me. I am the sacrificial lamb. Well, what have they seen him do with his body? They've been with him three years. What has he done with his body? Everywhere he goes, Jesus is releasing healing to people through his physical body. In fact, in uh, Luke 6.19, it says this. It says, the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. They wanted to touch Jesus. But if I could just touch him, power's going to flow and I'm going to be healed. Now, there's one occasion in Luke 8.44 where a woman touches him, and we're going to read that right now. It says, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She just touched his cloak, not even his physical body, his cloak. She touched the edges of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. She had been a woman who had had a problem with with bleeding for years. Jesus stops the procession, and he says, who touched me? And his apostles think he's losing his mind, and they, they all denied it. And Peter said, Master... The people are crowding and pressing against you. Lots of people are touching you. But Jesus says this. He says, no, someone touched me. I know that because power has gone out from me. He said, I know someone touched me and power flowed. And so when this woman then presents herself as the one who touched him, Jesus says, kind of like he says, well done. Good job. Your faith made you well. Your faith made you whole. But She touched his body, and power flowed out of his body and healed her. And I want to say today that when Jesus said to his apostles, this is my body, things like that were in their mind. They were wondering about that. That would have been what would have come to their conscious thinking. And when we think of communion, when Jesus said, hey, this, this bread, this is me, Take this, and when you do this in remembrance of me, when you do this, there's power in this. You are touching me. You're touching my body. And so there's this, there's this power in this whole event that we have not really looked at carefully before as a church body, that I haven't looked at really before as a pastor, and am and gaining insight into it right now. But in Isaiah 53, 4, we see this. It says, surely our griefs, our sicknesses, he himself bore. That, the word griefs means sickness. Our sickness, he himself bore, and our sorrows, he carried. If you read the rest of that passage, it's talking about in his body on the cross. He took our grief and our sickness on his body on the cross. And when he did that, he made himself then the one who stood in for us to take the sickness so that the power of God could flow through him and give us health. Now, some people make a, a, a big emphasis in a message like this somewhere around this point that Jesus himself never got sick and therefore he has divine health to pass on to us. Uh, it's, it's not clear from the Bible whether Jesus ever got sick. Personally, I think he never got sick. I think that's the best conclusion. And if that's the case, then there is this, this healing life that flows through him in that respect. But what the point here is that we know, we know the power of God flowed through Jesus' body 
physically when he healed people. And what we want to do is get close to him. And what we want to do is touch him. Now, let's go back to the Passover again. And, and let's, let's think about that more for just a moment. When they ate that Passover lamb, uh, when, the, when the blood was put on their, on their doorpost, that protected them from death. And, and the, the, the picture of that in the blood, in the sharing of the blood, it is our forgiveness. It's our redemption. It's how we are changed into new creations. And then they ate that flesh of the lamb. And it says then in Psalm 105.37, says, He brought them out with silver and gold. When the Hebrews left Egypt, God told them, Ask your neighbors for money. And they were so happy to get rid of them because of these plagues. They loaded silver and gold on them. They brought them out with silver and gold. And there was none feeble among his tribes. None feeble. No sick people left Egypt. If you ever watch uh, Ten Commandments, well, it always shows it's the same movie every time you watch it. But um, it shows at one scene this old man hobbling out with a cane. And he's barely able to walk. Not true. There weren't any feeble people leaving Egypt. Now that's a miracle. You got two million people, none of them are sick. That's a miracle. And I think we can attach it directly to this idea that they ate the flesh of the lamb in that house that was covered by the blood of the lamb. And so in doing that, they somehow, they, God's power and life and the health of heaven flowed into that, into that whole community. And, and they walked in health and wholeness. Now, when it says in the First Corinthians passage, which we saw earlier, it says some of you are sick and, and some of you have even died. He's, he's talking to individuals. It's in, a, it's, in a, it, it's in the singular tense. So he's saying that we individually need to esteem the body of Christ rightly. And if we do, that stuff won't happen. We'll be walking in the heaven's health. Uh, Because healing, one of the ways healing comes is through communion. And so when, when we see that, we recognize that it's not just an individual thing, though. There's also this corporate sense. And, and we're going to look at communion from a few different angles this year. We're going to look at it from the angle of spiritual warfare. Uh, we're going to look at this passage in a few months on eating unworthily. What does that mean? I'll give you a heads up. It does not mean the person is unworthy. It's an adverb. It means the action of eating is done without the full understanding of what, what we're doing. So... But we're going to look at uh, community as it relates to a communion. And, and I think there's something individually in this for us as we come and individually receive communion to understand this is a touch point with Jesus. I'm reaching out. I'm touching him. This bread, it's not really literally the body of Jesus. It doesn't have to be because God has pronounced a blessing over it. And when I touch that, Jesus says, I'm touching him. That's good enough for me. And I'm going to do it, and I'm going to believe him, and, and there is health that flows with that. But then again, as a community, as a church body, as, as, and I realize this is probably new thinking for a lot of us. Um, you know, from my background, new thinking for me, and from some people from other, other directions, new thinking. But 
as, as, we, as this thinking settles into our hearts and our minds, as a church body, we're going to see just a greater display of healing power released in our midst. And that's something we're called to. That's part of our heritage is as a church body is to be a church of healing. God told me five, six years ago at a moment where I was struggling with some stuff, he said, don't worry about that. He said, just lean back into your heritage. And I knew what that meant. Our heritage is Holy Spirit empowered ministry and healing. And that was a moment where I said yes to God and, and we're seeing some of the, the, the effects of that, but we have a lot more to see here. And I think this is one part of it. This is one part, one pe- part of the puzzle, one, one piece of it that's gonna help us to move ahead into being a, a, a more powerful church body when it comes to healing. Now, um, again, touch point. Put it in our minds, that woman. There are a lot of people that touched Jesus that day. A lot of people that bumped into him but they didn't discern Jesus. They didn't discern the body of Christ. They didn't discern, meaning they didn't understand there's power in him. If I just touch him, there's power. They didn't understand that, so none of them got healed. This one woman understood it. She touched him, and she got healed. And so when he says discerning the body, this this bread is a touch point with the life and body of Jesus. And you might ask yourself this. You might say, well, why like eating? Isn't that kind of crazy? We have to drink Jesus and eat him. What's up with that? And it's not really drinking Jesus and eating him, but it is, it is the life of Jesus comes into me and becomes part of me. And here's the thing. All it took for Adam and Eve was what? Eating, a bite. It just took a bite. It doesn't say they, they consumed a barrel of fruit. Just they, they, they bit, they ate, that's it right there. And so it really sounds fitting to me to think that, well, a bite is going to reverse that. A bite is representative of my confidence and faith in the new order, in the kingdom order, and in reaching out and touching Jesus, and life flows from him. And so what we're going to do today, uh, j- just to reinforce some of these thoughts um, in Third John 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, uh, Pentecostals over the years have not had any trouble interpreting that. They just believe it literally. But uh, on the other side, we had a little bit of trouble looking at that and figuring out what it means. Here's what I want to say it means. What it means is God's heart for you is healing. Okay, that's God's heart for you. It's not God's will that we're sick. God's heart is healing. God gets joy out of releasing his kingdom to us, but there is a battle involved in it, and there's a battle in the atmosphere around us in the heavenly realms. There's a battle in our own minds and lives discerning things properly, but, but it is there, and we need to understand God's heart towards us is welfare. His heart towards us is healing, and when we come to this, that woman that touched Jesus and was healed, she believed God was for her. In spite of everything, she believed that there was power in Jesus that was going to be released into her life. And so when we come to this, we're coming to it with expectation. We're coming to it uh, with the confidence that this is one of the means 
that God uses to heal us. And so I'm going I'm to go for it. God, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, God, I, I'm, I'm asking you, heal my eyes, heal my ears, you know, heal this part of me. And, but Jesus, I'm touching you right now when I pick up this bread. I'm not going to take this lightly. It's not just a remembrance. It's not just a raised glass in your memory. It is a touch point with you and with your life. Now today, what we're going to do for communion, we're doing this differently. This is why we took the offering up earlier. We're going to have stations up here at the front with the bread. And uh, Pam, are we going to have three stations up here? Yes, okay, three stations at the front. And what we want you to do is uh, leave the side aisles open, come down these two aisles, and you can come down the middle aisle, but go back on the very side aisles because here's what we're going to do. You're going to get the bread here, and then you you can take it back to your seat and sit for a moment. And, and contemplate this and then take the bread. Or you can walk back and take it as you're walking back. Or you can wait until you get the juice and take it. Here's what I would do. I would say most of us are used to um, bread juice. Here's a piece, here's, here's the body, now here's something to wash it down with. That makes it almost a little bit too common, I think. Um, let's do, yeah, I know. But let's do this. I want to just put a little challenge out here. Break the pattern today. Okay, take that bread and hold it and look at it. Think of that woman touching Jesus and think, Jesus, this is a touch point with you. And, and as I consume this, I'm, 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 I am opening my heart to everything you have for me. And do that and then go back and get the juice and do the same thing with the, with the juice, remembering the blood of Jesus. So those that are going to serve can make their way down right now. I'm going to pray. We're, we're not going to rush this. It's going to take longer, but we, this is by plans. By design, it's going to take longer. And uh, they will be down here in just a moment. And we're going to pray right now, though. We just want to say, uh, Father God, thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you that you get joy out of blessing us. We're amazed by that. Wow, what an amazing thing. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so much that you came into this world to gather us together in you, to change us, to make us whole and righteous, forgiven, clean, and to heal us as well. Thank you for that. Thank you for your healing power that's alive and real today. And Holy Spirit, you're no less. We acknowledge you. We honor you. We thank you, you as God present with us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, reveal your presence today. Let there be just something tangible in the air that we're going to feel. Holy Spirit, anoint. We, we, just, we bless this bread in the name of Jesus as we partake of it. it. And we remember you, Jesus, and we reach out to touch you. And we, and we receive this juice representing your blood, Jesus, and we remember you and we reach out to touch you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so servers, come, please. All right, so we're not going to, like, say everybody stand or anything like that. Just get up and come when you're ready. Just remember, come down these aisles and go back the side aisles.